This episode of With Love and Justice for All is brought to you by Bliss Books and Wine. Bliss Books and Wine is an independent black-owned bookstore for wine enthusiasts and book lovers. Listed as one of the black-owned bookstores in America that amplify the best in literature by OprahDaily.com, Bliss Books and Wine is your go-to for all your favorite titles, including ebooks and audiobooks. And when we buy from black-owned businesses, we are helping to create a world of racial equity. When ordering online, use the code 846BOOK for a 10% discount. That's 846-B-O-O-K for a 10% discount at blissbooksandwine.com. Exploring the healing and culture building practices of embodied anti-racism. This is With Love and Justice for All with Reverend Ogan Holder and Reverend Kelly Isola. Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 93 of With Love and Justice for All, the official podcast of Project Sanctus, where we have conversations around embodied anti-racism, dismantling oppression, fostering liberation, with a special attention to the challenges that arise as spiritual seekers. I am Reverend Ogan Holder, here with my partner in crime, consciousness, and co-creation, Reverend Kelly. How are you doing, Reverend Kelly? Is it is it me, or has it been a while since we recorded one of these? It's been a little while. It's, it's, it's been felt, a little it's, while. It's been a little while, yeah. Well, you know, sometimes uh, there's a lot of life. There is there is a lot, yes. You've been you've been working a lot. I've been dating a lot. Let's just be clear about why. Let's just be clear about the the time impediments here. <laughs> well, and some of it is is also, um, you know, if I'm if I'm doing something like paying what we talk about, paying attention to my body and not pushing through something because I got to get her done. Um, yes, and not doing that. And the you know the the end result is that someone who is very much married to to a schedule might feel a little disappointment or what the heck, you know. Exactly. And Welcome to the resistance, I say to them. Yes, I like that. <laughs> Welcome to the resistance. Dun, 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 there, dun. There, there you go. Oh, my goodness. Um, and we know there are many of you uh, who've joined us in the resistance around the world. We have listeners in 24 countries around the world in almost every state here in the U.S. We want to thank you for listening. Thank you for telling your friends about us. We are on every platform and you can also watch us live when we record. We kind of all over the place and schedule. But if you catch us and if you want to watch the video recording of this, head over to our <laughs> Facebook live page. And you can also leave us a message and let us know what you think or stuff you want us to talk about. Um, we have a voicemail set up at 413-438-4659 or 413-GET-HOLY. Um, today's episode is called Pride and Dignity. We are in June. It is Pride Month. And uh, we got some stuff to say about that. But first, I think Reverend Kelly's got a few uh uh, updates for us, a few invitations. Yeah, we are always inviting you to our affinity groups. We have <clears throat> the first and third Wednesday of every month. And today, as we're recording, this is the first Wednesday of the month, is our communal group. And that is uh, at 7.30 Eastern time. And you can go to the website, projectsanctus.com and register so you can get the Zoom link. Uh, and then on the third Wednesday of the month is the community affinity groups that Ogan uh, 
facilitates the group for BIPOC folks, and I facilitate the group for those uh, that are the white bodies, and that's on the third Wednesday. Um, and it's really, I'm a very strong proponent of the these groups because that's where the work happens. We can go to all kinds of book studies and and workshops and webinars, and the work is done in you know in these groups. Um, where we are challenged about how we're being in the world, where we're challenged and learn what being an anti-racist actually is and looks like. So first and third Wednesdays of the month, go to projectsanctus.com to register. Also, I uh, just want to give you a heads up that our next uh, 846 book club, we are going to use the book This Here Flesh by Cole Arthur Riley. Um, and you can find her on Instagram. Uh, her handle is at Black Liturgies. Um, she's just amazing. I love her work. I um, we think very much alike. Um, you know, very deep soul. But this here flesh is uh, is really a phenomenal book. We don't have dates yet, but want to just give you a heads up on the book. And you can order the book from our uh, our partner, um, Bliss Books and Wine. And use the book code 846 to get 10% off the book. So go to blissbooksandwine.com and you can order this here flesh. Use the book, use the coupon code 846book and get a little bit off the price of that. And then finally, always if you um, want to support the work that we do and keep this train moving, we ask for donations and you can make a financial donation at projectsanctus.com slash donate. Uh, it is just Ogan and I, and we are the interns and the administrative assistants and the CEOs and the CFOs and any other label in middle management. Um, so uh, please, if you are uh, learning something, if this is making a difference in how you be in the world and your anti-racism work and embodying it, um, we ask for your financial support. You go to projectsanctus.com slash donate. And thank you to all of you who have donated yes. and those of you who yes. are consistent reoccurring uh, donors as well. Uh, we really appreciate you. Um, every, every, every dollar counts. Um, so yes. um, thank you for that. Um, so yes, it is June. It is Pride Month and it is a truly challenging time in the U.S. to be part of the LGBTQ plus community especially if you are trans um yeah and um part of part of why i wanted to name the episode pride and dignity is that um you know it's so often to lose sight of the fact that we are talking about people here uh you know those who are seeking to enact um, these anti-trans laws also tend to frame it in terms of things like um, erroneously, by the way, things like grooming and things like culture and things like a small group of people are trying to make everybody change what they believe. So they, they, they frame it in terms of policies, in terms of uh, their principles, but we often lose sight of the fact that, or it's easier to lose sight of the fact that we're talking about human beings here. We're talking about people and part of dignity is acknowledging just the the right of a human being to exist as they are yeah. um, and, and and seeing them as they are and acknowledging them as they are um so so that's 
dignity is a huge piece. And, and I feel like those folks who are trying to, uh, you know, enact legislation and are anti-trans and anti-queer and anti-drag and all these things um, have lost sight of what dignity means and are not willing to, to, to live from that place of dignity. So, um, so we, what we're going to do today is yeah, talk a little bit about, not too much, but talk a little bit about the struggles of queer folk, especially trans folk during this time. But then we're going to really come back to people and stories and share some stories of real people, real queer people, real trans people, real um, lesbian, um, gay, bi folk who, for whom this is, this is not about policy. This is about their very life and survival and right to exist as they are. Um, so, um, well, it's really, um, <clears throat> you know, when you, it, it's a, it's a, a hugely toxic, insidious white pattern that what you describe about, you know, making policies and acting this, because what it is, is it's, I'm separating myself from the human. And that is so white um, pattern. That is the, that's a white solidarity. It's a pattern to perpetuate, you know, whiteness to perpetuate supremacy is separate myself. Um, and I, and I, so I talk from my head about policy and I talk from my head about just making groups monolithic. And I talk from my head um, and I never, or never, or rarely do I see someone actually, wait, let me pause for a minute. And what does this really mean? Like in my heart, in my soul, um, you know, if, and, and especially when it comes out of the mouths of Christian nationalists, I'm like, you, you probably couldn't get further from, you know, from the roots of what you claim is your faith tradition. Uh, but then by doing this, that you're and, actually and telling someone that you you don't exist. You don't have the right to exist. You're, you know, and, and for me, it's even beyond uh, the dignity piece. It's the safety, dignity, and belonging. Mm. Um, and those are, that's kind of my, um, my uh, sort of pool that I swim in when it comes to justice, when it comes to human rights, when it comes to why do you care? <laughs> like who's in I, someone else's I, bed? I recently, I recently heard a discussion that um, um, placed belonging actually as a subset of dignity because when you when you can just see and accept and honor person as they are in many ways that that's the beginning of belonging people people feel like they belong but but I understand right. I understand what you're uh, what you mean and what you say this this um, seeking to erase this is what it says erasure seeking to erase um, mm -hmm. um, people is is very scary and horrendous and um, uh, mean that's been going around in various forms recently is reminding us that this was this was the same uproar and many of the same people who were creating the uproar around um, gay folk back in like the 50s and 60s um, yeah. and and how it will it would it would and and we saw these arguments when um, uh, the the discussions around um, same-sex marriage was being debated that slippery slope and and it will forever ruin family values and all this stuff and none of that has happened um, no. at, at all so it's it's kind of ridiculous but 
um, here we are. Here we are. And we are in a place where um, in 2023, we've got over 520 anti-LGBTQ plus bills introduced in state legislatures, which is a record. Um, over 200. Just, just wait, wait, wait. Just this wait, year. Just, just this year. year. Just this year. More than more than the last six five years. In. More than the last five years combined. Yeah. yeah. Um, over 220 bills specifically target transgender and non-binary people, which is also a record. Um, and just so you know, these bills aren't just being um, introduced. They're also being passed. Um, 70, right. 70 anti-LGBTQ laws have been enacted this year so far, including uh, 15 laws banning gender-affirming care for trans youth, seven requiring or allowing misgendering of trans students, um, two laws targeting drag performances, three laws creating license to discriminate, four laws censoring school curriculum and banning books. Um, the, the human rights campaign, hrc.org, is, is our source uh, for this information. So what's been interesting also is that um, to note that because of polling, we know that these laws do not reflect the view of the majority of Americans. Um, so when it comes to anti-LGBTQ plus bills, 64% of all likely voters think there's too much legislation aimed at limiting the rights of trans and gay people in America. This is 72% of Democrats, 65% independents, and 55% of Republicans. So to yeah, so recap, pause on that for a moment. Yeah, yeah I was going to fifty-five percent of Republicans. Yeah, so the majority, the majority of people in all three, I guess, political categories that we have here in the U.S., the majority of people think that there's too much emphasis on this. Okay, so once again, we have those who are seeking to remain in power using this as a wedge issue. Um, using using fear, hate, and misinformation as a quest for power. And I just got to mention, I just got to mention this. I didn't plan to, but as we're talking about this, I don't know if you heard about Nikki Haley's statement that she made recently. She was at a town hall and um, she is running for the Republican um, nomination for president. And she came out and she said, um, that there's a lot of fear like the 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 biggest the biggest women's issue right now is um women athletes especially young women athletes having to deal with uh you know male male men and males in their dressing rooms as they're changing and men in women's sports this is for her she's calling it the biggest women's issue of our time and then she said because of this, because of, of young girls not knowing how to deal with, with, with boys, you know, people born in male bodies at birth, that this is leading to all sorts of depression and concern. And isn't it a wonder that so many young girls are committing suicide? So to recap, she has drawn a line between teenage girls committing suicide and young trans people wanted to play sports and it is it is a firstly wholly er erroneous connection yeah. but then when we say things like this what it's putting out there is the right to say 
um, that he, again, young, we're, we're blaming, we're blaming young trans people and labeling them as a source of uh, suffering so much so that people are taking their lives. And now, now we're saying that young trans people are a, she's saying that young trans people are a health hazard. Um, and we know that when we have health hazards, we need to eliminate them. She's not, she's not said that directly, but that's what's implied here. Hence the, hence the, it's okay to erase these people and therefore mm. not allow them to have what they need, like gender affirming care um, as minors and um, acknowledge their existence. And it was, it was so disgusting to hear and uh, people like that should, should not, should not be our president, should not be our political leaders. And yeah, it was, it was, well, frankly, I don't think any of them that put their, their hat in the race, they're, they're all, you know, Fairly yeah. similar drawing the lines on anti-LGBTQ. Uh, uh, and it's when you, uh, you know, refer to the as a health hazard, I, I, what popped in my head is like, Nikki Haley is a health hazard. Like, <laughs> you know, spewing this kind of rhetoric yes. Yes. Um, is damaging. It's dangerous yes. speech. You know, we've talked about it before on previous podcasts. It's dangerous speech and making these random connecting dots that don't connect. And yes. and basically and saying that it's some people you don't have the right to be here. And if you're going to be here, you need to be here in the box that I have decided for you. And and that's a health hazard because you're it, you're you're telling the person you're creating a, a space where the person cannot be authentically who they are. And imagine as they grow up and move into adult, like what what does it look like to live your life out? you know, from that place takes, yeah. if you, if it gets to be undone and, and healing occurs uh, good, but that's not the norm. I don't think. No. And of course she was asked about what about the high suicide rates among trans youth? Shouldn't we have some concerns for them as well? Of course she didn't have a good answer for that. Um, no. But so not only are the majority of Americans thinking there's too much legislation um, working their way through state houses around this, but also federal judges. Recently, we saw a federal judge in Tennessee and in Florida, um, and I believe the Tennessee judge was a Trump appointee. Overturned yeah. um, some of these some of these um, bans that were passed, simply saying there uh, one of them was just way too vague and generalized, and then the yeah. other one was um, unconstitutional um, and. The uh, um, that judge in Florida, he wrote, gender identity is real and that proper treatment can include mental health therapy followed by puberty blockers and hormone treatments. Florida has adopted a statute and rules that prohibit these treatments even when medically appropriate. So the judge is saying we can't, gender identity is real. We can't invisibilize people yeah. simply because some of us don't understand i wouldn't say agree we just don't under group of people don't understand what gender means to right. begin with right gender is not your genitalia attached to your body at birth that's not what gender is um and because people don't understand that they're causing harm and as um 
these losses and uh, laws are being passed and and lawsuits are being made. Um, even 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 Republican judges, even right. federal Republican judges are are admitting like, yeah, this this kind of doesn't make sense. This isn't whole water. This this the, the, these laws you're passing to prevent something is actually causing more harm. No one was at risk to begin with. Right. You know, so so that's that's the that's that's the landscape we find ourselves in. And as always, I want to remind folks there is no neutral territory in in this skirmish. You know, your 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 silence around this is taken aside. <laughs> your your silence is siding with the oppressors, not the oppressed. So however ways you can make your voice heard, and the most important way is in, at the ballot box, um, yep. conversations with your friends and your family members. And I know people don't like to be uncomfortable in those situations, but no lives way. are at stake. Literal <laughs> lives are at stake. And chances are, chances are you have trans or queer people or non-binary folks, either in your friendship circle or in your family yeah. circle, and they need to hear that you see them. Yep. 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 It's right. a um and and just to the one little thing to your point about how how little is actually understood about gender. Uh, not even at which then the next step is don't even understand as a result that um, gender affirming healthcare very often is not just medically necessary, but life-saving. Yes, like yes. Life-saving. Um, so you're saying, in, I'm not willing so to save a life. You're willing to, to allow this human to die. Yes, exactly, exactly. Um, and the, the recent ban on gender-affirming care for youth in Florida was so worded that it affected um, access to the necessary healthcare for adults as well. And the right. adults were not happy about this because, you know, you re, 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 it's, it's one thing, and it, this is not a statement in support of, it's one thing to say, okay, these are minors and therefore their parents have to be involved in decision-making, but grown ass adults, come on. That's, yeah. that's a stretch too far. Um, and that federal judge was like, yeah, yeah. I've got to, got to acknowledge that that's, that's just too much right there. Um, so, so here we go. Um, and so let's pivot a little bit and remind folks just briefly about what, Pride Month and Pride Celebration is all about and how we got here. I know y'all can always Google the stuff and we please, right. we advise you if you haven't yet, do a deep Google around truly how, how the Pride movement got started and not just how it got started, but the importance of trans folk in yes. the starting of the Pride yeah. movement. You want to you wanna give us a little roundup overview? Sure. Um, well, it's, uh, you know, we celebrate it in the month of June, and it was uh, born out of uh, a riot, the 1969 Stonewall Uprising in Manhattan. And it, it was, it became the tipping point for the gay liberation movement in the U.S. And um, 
um, the, and it, it first was a, you know, a day and then, and then it became, um, the entire month and there were memorials held during the month, um, uh, and major cities throughout the country. If you, if you don't know that there's gay pride day and, and pride parades going on in major cities across the country, um, then I would encourage you to get online, turn on the news. I know there's people that want to stay away from the news and it's a way to, um, to learn, uh, to there's, parades and parties, there's workshops, there's concerts, um, millions and millions of people actually not just in the US, but around the world um, that, um, that are have also engaged with this it, uh, you know, acknowledging the, the it's a commemorative month as well. Um, you know, the impact that lesbian, gay, bisexual and transgender individuals have had on history, locally in your own place, nationally, internationally, um, those who have been lost to the hate crimes to or to HIV AIDS. Um, so it's it, you know, I'm like, well, every day should be LGBTQ plus pride day. You know, it's sort of like Black History Month or Women's Month. Like, could we not evolve ourselves into every day? Um, but it's, uh, the, the first pride march was in New York city in June, 1970. And then, um, that was the one year anniversary of the uprising. And it, it's, it really, it, you know, it, it's just always a fight and, and how, um, the Stonewall uprising was really, you know, people just like, I'm done, you know, we're, we're done and, and pushing back and, pushing back and pushing back and fighting back. And um, as a result, lives, you know, lots of uh, violence and hatred and, um, but it's, I'm, it really is the, I'm done. We have a voice. I have a right to be here. I'm not some kind of deviant. I'm not different. I'm not like, I'm human. And here's authentically who I am. So, um, so this whole month, I'm Sorry, and I'm glad you mentioned the word deviant there because because that's that's the crux of it right there, right? Those those folks who are anti-LGBTQ are saying that that trans people, queer people, non-binary people are a deviation from the norm of being heterosexual, as yeah. if that is the only norm that is valid for existence. So I just want to throw that out there that 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 um, that mindset of deviance still exists today. And not yes. just when it comes to sexuality and sexual identity. I mean, we talking about race, we talking about class, we talking about able-bodiedness, we talking about all the things. You know, there's there's that there's that hierarchical standard where at the top is, you know, the 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 white straight male christian heterosexual um and again if you are one of those i'm not coming at you i'm not attacking you i'm not saying you're a bad person i'm simply saying historically that's that's how the system was created to maintain power in your hands and then you know we create the hierarchies beneath that um, because the system hasn't changed much, has hardly changed, um, you're still the uh, unearned beneficiary of the system. 
um, regardless right. of if you think you are or not. And when we talk about deviance, that's what we're talking from folks deviating from that norm, from that, from that standard. And uh, again, me, me doing, continuing to do my own work of defining myself and things less so by what they're not um, to say that, yes, they are, there are many expressions of gender and it is um, again, just like race, gender is actually kind of just a construct <laughs> that we've created yeah. and, it, and it complete and it, and it keeps getting narrowed down to roles who, who should do what and who yeah. should look like what. Um, and it's, it's all made up folks. It's all made up. And, <clears throat> and then we have made, we've made the thing we've made up real. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes, we yes. yeah because there has to be because going back to you know the roots of you know northern european um christian roots being you know brought overseas to the us you know move the indigenous uh out of the way um and here's the box that you need to fit in to be acceptable to god right to be acceptable in this community yeah. and that's the white heteronormative um, heterosexual. Um, but the first, the first, uh, pride parade was called gay and proud. And there was about three to 5,000 people in New York city. That's where the first one was. And now the, the parade in New York city, uh, millions, millions and millions come out. So. Yes. Um, and, and pride celebrations all over the world. Um, yes. I had the I had the privilege of uh, being a speaker at the Pride Parade in Barbados a few years ago. Oh, that's uh, right. I forgot about that. Yeah, a country that is still very um, homophobic and patriarchal and religious. Um, so um, that that was a distinct honor. And I actually just had someone message me. Um, they'd sent me a, a reel of something related to what we're talking about today, but then from Barbados and they messaged me and just said, I remember when you spoke at this and it was, it was really good to see like, you know, a, a cis straight Barbadian preacher, like talking as an, as an ally. Um, so truth telling. Yeah, truth telling. It was it was a really it was a really good memory. And and it's also been interesting to see how far I have come in my own personal right. identity. And um we actually Kelly and I were talking about this. We're gonna have an episode, maybe our next one, where where we also tell our own story around our journey around queerness and identity. Uh, cause I don't know. I don't know that. I don't know that straight is a word that I will use to identify myself anymore. This is not my official coming out podcast episode, by the way. I don't know that straight <laughs> is a word I would use to describe myself anymore. Um, but it's not as it is not as simplistic as saying, "Oh, you're not straight," right. therefore it means you're you're bi. It's a uh, again. It's a labels, it's a fluid thing. <laughs> the labels the labels are helpful in terms of finding finding your more in but the labels also are limiting um as well they are it's it's actually part of that decolonizing thing Ex um, that exactly. we've talked about before exactly so, little and, squirrel and, moment and there squirrel moment and then this weekend this weekend <laughs> no next weekend i'll be i'll be in maine portland maine for their pride uh celebration um as well so looking forward looking forward to that so if you haven't um if you live in a place that hasn't had their pride celebrations yet some have some 
are still on the schedule, please get out and show your support. This is this is this is how we let our voices be heard. Um, get yourself, get yourself a rainbow flag, a trans flag, a t-shirt, something. If you're not going to be part of the parade, stand at the side and wave and show your support so that folks in this targeted community know that they that they have allies that yeah. they're being being seen and and sometimes that's that's we know that's the best some of you can do um and sometimes some of you don't even do that so i want to call you in call you up and say please get out there and and support and support folks um, get off get off your affirmations and go there go, you go go there do you it go. Go um do work Tell us about Dr. Bertice, Bertice Berry, because I hadn't heard of this yes. person until you introduced me. Uh, so, uh, Doctor, yeah, Doctor, Doctor Bertice Berry is. Um, I've been following her for a few years on Instagram, and she's um, she's a psychologist, but she's but she's so much more. Um, and one of the things that really her magic is storytelling. Um, and she, and I don't want to go into her whole bio thing. You can. Uh, research that yourself, but I was introduced to her um, and and just you know watched her on Instagram. And every morning, what she does is she gets up early. She has her you know her cup of tea, kind of centers herself, and then she gets on and tells a story. And it's like seven or eight minutes, um, but it's just phenomenal. I mean, and it's just magical. And um, I I can honestly say that on more than one occasion, she saved my ass during COVID. Um, because I'm uh, unfortunately one of those um, people that had went through COVID alone, like no spouse, no children, no, mm. you know, and it, um, you know, and if you are, and also someone who suffers from de severe depression. Um, so, you know, and I, I'm, you know, I manage it and take care of it. And, but in, during COVID, it got, there are times it gets a little dicey and, and alone, like, an aloneness or loneliness that, wow, this is new levels of dark. And, but just hearing her little story every day, and it was very real and really very human and, and authentic. Um, and often she would start crying, which then I'm like, okay, now I'm crying, you know, but she's just, she's just amazing. And, and it just her smile and she's got these big funky glasses and her face is real close up, but she, you know, really, embodies the power of storytelling. And I had seen her uh, about a week ago um, on an event on Facebook, and she just reminded me, you know, even though I see her on Instagram, it was just her seeing her in a different way. And she made this statement. She said, when one person dies, a whole library is lost. And mm, mm. It, no, it, no, now I'm going to want to tell you to pause. Say that again. Let's yeah. say that for a second. When one person dies, a whole library is lost. And that's that is immensely that is immensely powerful. And it and, is. What it, and and it's like it's like many of us, we don't when when we go through a lot of changes, a lot of us, a lot of us don't tell our stories, especially yeah. if we if we go through a change that we know is, you know, <laughs> deviates from the acceptable norm. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of us are reluctant to tell our story about that 
and 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 storytelling is what makes it real storytelling is what reminds us that we're not talking about policies and stuff we're talking about people we're talking about dignity yes yeah and 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 humanity i'm talking you know so that statement of you know when one person dies a whole library is lost because none of us have one story you know, exactly. we have lots of them. Mm-hmm. And the word story over the years, and I, I, I used to teach storytelling. Um, and uh, one thing I, you know, made sure that to impart to students was that um, the word story has really gotten a bad rap. Oh, there she is in her story again. You know, like we don't want to hear their story. And yet we, I do want to hear your story because you have so many and it's authentically who you are. So what I, you know, in listening to her and be reminding of the power of story and that so one person dies, you know, whether it's, um, you know, they've been lynched, they've been shot, they've committed suicide, you know, we've lost an entire library that we will never know, we will never hear, we will never honor, we will never be able to, you know, have them be part of I can never have them be part of my history. You know, it's an ancestor. Um, So I wanted to offer, you know, as part of today, I wanted us to tell a few stories. Um, You know, and she, Bertice Berry comes at it from the perspective of when I'm telling a story, um, kind of two questions, like why me here now? And then the other one is, what do I know? And what does my community need? And I think the community needs one thing, you know, to answer part of these questions is I think the community needs to hear these stories because we we have our own story, but we're in the center of it. And by hearing other stories and telling other people's stories, we then get to see a bigger we can see the marginalized. We can see the margins as opposed to just only hearing my own, which I'm seeing from the center. But um, so I, I just. I wanted to just, and, and a lot of these people we probably never heard of, and they're just, they go about their daily life and, but, but living under that, that, that heavy, you know, um, that's, oppression that's a, of, that's, that we now have. That's a, that's an important thing that you, that, that you just like said and moved on from. We will never hear about most of these people. Cause you're right. They're just everyday ordinary folk. And we tend to, we tend to devalue the ordinary, right? Yeah. But the but the these are folks who just like everybody else, you know, they go into work, they got families, they love and want to be loved, and somehow, you know, somehow a group of us is making an issue over who they love, and yeah, you know that doesn't make sense. Um, I do want to start um, in the stories. I do want to start. We mentioned we mentioned um, uh, the Stonewall um, riot, mm. and in this list of stories, we do have um, um, a story from someone who was there. Um, so this is um, Michael Levine. Um, he was uh, he was at a at the bar. Um, he's so let me, let me just, yeah, I'm just going to read. I'm just going to read and <laughs> make this up. What am I doing? <laughs> so this is, this is Unheard Voices, Stories of LGBT History. So Michael Levine was at a popular gay bar in New York City in June 1969 when it was surrounded by police. 
At the time, the Vice Squad routinely raided and emptied gay bars. Patrons usually complied with the police, frightened at being identified publicly. But this particular Friday night was different because patrons at the Stonewall Inn stood their ground. They clashed during what became known as the Stonewall Riots. So this is a reflection from Michael Levine himself. It was a Friday night and I had a date. I was at the bar getting drinks for both of us. We had just finished dancing. The music was blaring. It was a combination of beer and cigarettes and cologne. Suddenly, as I'm handing my money to the bartender, a deafening silence occurred. The lights went up, the music went off, and you could hear a pin drop, literally. My boyfriend rushed in from the dance floor. He walked over and said, put the drinks down, let's leave. We go out onto Christopher Street, and there are what look like a hundred police cars all facing the entrance and crowds of people looking at us. The kids coming out of the Stonewall, the onlookers, the police, everyone was just kind of standing there. It was not a riot in the sense of people breaking furniture and police hitting people over the head. It was just an enormous crowd of people. And then the police started to say, okay, everyone leave. And the drag queens, they're the ones who said to the police, we're not leaving. And they formed a chorus line outside in front of the bar. And they stood there dancing in the street. They were all Puerto Rican drag queens and Irish cops. It was a funny, funny confrontation. When we came back on Saturday night, we stood there on the street and held hands and kissed. Something we would never have done three days earlier. It made, me, it made me feel wonderful. I stood there with chills. It was like when you're watching a parade and the flag goes by and you see something you're so proud of and you see your troops and you get that chill inside of you. I got a chill. I got a chill seeing guys on the street holding hands and kissing. In the week that followed, I got phone calls from relatives, cousins, my brother, my aunt. We're just calling to find out if you're okay. We know you go to places like this. We want to make sure you are all right. That means they knew all along. It was like I was wearing a sign on my back. They knew. We never discussed it. I never had to want say to anyone in my family, I'm gay. Then the interviewer asked, how did you feel about yourself between the beginning of Stonewall and after Stonewall? Did you feel you were a different person? Michael's response. No, I didn't feel that I was a different person. I was the same me. I was a homosexual person coming from an old-fashioned Jewish neighborhood living in Greenwich Village on my own. I felt the same. I felt comfortable. But I felt the world now is more comfortable with me. And Stonewall did that for me. Wow. That's beautiful. It is. And that last piece, I think, is what what we continue to fight for that the world is comfortable with me yes Um, you know the world is uh which means the world has to change i'm not going to change yes i'm not going to make you comfortable you need to get comfortable with me exactly uh i don't know if i'd heard many stories from people that were uh that were there shall we do another story yeah what do you got which one, which, which I one got, of these? Um, Carrie, um, she's a founding member of Center Kids, Center Families, a New York-based LGBT 
families program. She founded that in 1988. Uh, and that wow. same year, her son, Ned was born. But so what she's talking about is parenthood. Um, she says, I've always been the kind of woman who was a baby person. And I always wanted babies, surrounded myself with babies as a little kid. And also as a little kid, I had an awareness of being a lesbian really quite young. So I sort of shelved motherhood. I think as my biological clock ticked is when I started to say, oh, if I wanted to have a family, how am I going to do that? And as it is, I didn't have a kid until I was 37. So it was somewhat later in life. Telling him I was gay or that his mother, that his other mother was gay was not a hard conversation. He knew it from the cradle and it was very normalized and very celebratory in spirit in the household. But then later when kids leave home and they're going to school for the first time, suddenly the larger culture starts weighing in. And he came home and he said, are there two kinds of gay people? Are there good kinds and bad kinds? Because he had heard it used positively and negatively. I remember when he was going off to day camp and he was wearing, you know, these little rainbow like freedom rings, a little gay symbol. And I thought, oh man, this could really not go well, you know? Um, I was trying to rehearse with him and, and not say, you can't wear those to camp. Someone might beat you up. So I said, what if someone asks you what your rainbow rings mean? What will you say? And he said, I'll say they mean gay pride. And I said, well, that's good. But then what if they ask you if you're gay? And he stopped walking and he said, well, I'll say yes, because you are. So I am too. And I said, well, you know, you're not necessarily like Grammy. She's not gay, but I am. And she was a mom. And so you might be different from me, but you don't know that yet. Once when he was still little enough that he was sitting in the backseat of the car in a car seat and we were driving somewhere and he goes, mom, we're lesbians, right? And I go, wait, no, not actually, no. And then later on, he sort of came out of the closet and he said, I'm not gay or straight. I'm a bachelor. He was like eight. And I said, okay, that'll do for now. I feel like LGBT people are really changing what families can look like. It's been really exciting to watch kids come of age. And instead of us saying how it is for them, they're telling us what's good for them. That's been a blast. I, I, I can definitely relate to that. I'm a bachelor. <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. But what a that's, powerful that's way, like to and just how to talk to kids, how to talk to your own children and others. And so this, you know, like all this banning, yeah. banning stuff in elementary school is like, do you even know what that conversation looks like? Yeah. 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 Good story. The whole the whole the whole narrative around <laughs> indoctrinating our kids and making them something they're not i'm like that's not that's not how any of this works we i know i know person doesn't become gay because you tell them a story about someone who's gay that or they see a gay person that's not how any of this works and it's just so frustrating right. uh this is a beautiful story um i put the links if you want to read these stories yourselves i put the links um on our facebook uh stream the eh, what am i trying to say the the video of us doing this live stream in the comment section, there's the link for these stories um, posted by the Anti-Defamation League. And I will also, if my memory serves me well, I will add them to the show notes of the podcast. So when you're listening to this, 
or whatever podcast platform you're listening this to, you should see a link uh, to these stories and you can um, click and read all these stories yourself. If I forget to do it and you're listening to this podcast and there is no link, please message me and I will go back and add it. My, yeah. my short-term memory is a thing. It is a struggle. Uh, so, but I will do my best to remember to uh, put that, put that in there. The, I mean, these are wonderful stories and I, and I love that these are not celebrities, right? I, yes. I mean, yes. um, I love celebrity stories too, because they garner attention and draw a bigger audience. Um, a great example of this is uh, Elliot Page, who just, um, just had a great interview. What magazine was it? I forget, but uh Google LA oh, page, yeah. it'll, be, it'll be popping up. Um, and that's that's a beautiful story. Elliot Page, the actor who years ago you may have known as Alan Page um, mm. and um, made his transition and now is just really the, a, a, great, a great example. But again, these stories that I'm referring to are again, just people who want to just get through the everyday um, and, and love who they love. And again, uh, that last story you read, um, um, that last story you read is just a great example of um, uh, debunking that ridiculous myth of we expose our children to stories about gay people it will influence them to be gay we have i mean we got kids raised by straight parents who are gay we got kids raised by gay parents who are straight uh and yeah so it's that's not how any of this works and i do want to um also refer you back to an episode we did um a couple episodes ago around um um, laws, laws being changed for, for, um, I guess, quote unquote, unorthodox families, <laughs> uh, yeah. in, in Massachusetts, um, um, laws being laws, um, local statues, somehow my brain doesn't want to work right now, uh, local statues in cities like, um, Somerville, Massachusetts that are, um, extending family, protection rights for um, non-monogamous families um, and and honoring them basically uh, and their dignity as well um, in raising families and so it's uh, it's weird it's like it's it's like three steps forward two steps back three steps forward two steps back and and we're in the thick of a two-step back period right now yeah uh, yeah. You know, we were all celebrating when when same sex marriage was was you know federally, uh, uh, I guess, passed or acknowledged, and right. um, and now now since then it's it's been like this backward movement. Um, and I know that as we move forward and we continue to make our voices known and continue to tell these stories of real people that um, we, we, we're going to get back in that three steps forward uh, direction again. Um, and 
it's it's good to it's good to know that folks are continuing to go like no we don't we don't support this ridiculousness of all these laws right. and legislations being passed um if you really want again segue if you really want to protect children do something about the gun violence it is the number one cause of death of minors gun violence right do something about that and stop creating laws that are trying to solve a problem that doesn't exist right Right. Um, yeah. Uh, any final wanna, thoughts before we wrap up or? Well, we just a, a, to, yeah, shortly. Um, but I want to, um, um, in terms of, you know, the stories, we just, you know, we told a couple, but there's, as Ogan said, you know, I put the link in the notes and um, go read a whole lot more. Those came from um, the Anti-Defamation League. And I also want to point people to an organization called Rainbow Railroad. Um, so rainbowrailroad.org is a, it's a Canadian charitable organization, and it was created to rescue LGBTQ plus people whose lives were in imminent danger from state tolerated anti-LGBTQ terror and, and laws like really terror, not, um, you know, their lives are at stake. Um, and so it, the organization takes its name from the Underground Railroad, who was a, you know, a group of abolitionists who helped endangered um, enslaved people flee uh, to the north and, to, and further for, to save houses, uh, to save lives. And so um, it was Rainbow Railroad is the same idea, founded in 2006, but works across the globe. But it's also another place to go and read you know, people's stories. Um, not just here in the U.S., but also, uh, you know, around the world. And um, there are just some just amazing stories. Even I had to, when you were talking about, you know, speaking at Pride Parade in Barbados several years ago, there's, there are stories on here of, of um, uh, Rainbow Railroad serving people to get out of Barbados. Um, um, so there's not... I don't mean to be picking on your home uh, home home base. Listen, um, it deserves to be picked on. <laughs> Go right. right ahead. I'd be yeah. picking on it too. <laughs> um, but it's but but there's stories, you know, like that just come from all over the world and, and to read them and to to find how you know, just I think there's too many people in this country who are kind of like, well, you know, it's not that bad. It's not going to get any worse. I'm like, oh, yes, yes, it will. Here, go mm -hmm. read Rainbow Railroad stories. And this is how it gets worse, especially when you have, um, you know, you know, a huge chunk of Republicans that are following Orban, you know, who's the, the Christian yeah. nationalist guy in in Eastern Europe and uh, yeah. and wanting to adopt that for the US. I'm like, yes, it can get worse. And sometimes it, it is that what you it, just said, the two step, three step thing. Yeah, and, and, and unless we think the uh, Underground Railroad uh, comparison is a little over the top, it's not for all the reasons you said. And also uh, the Human Rights Campaign just recently declared a state of emergency for LGBTQ plus people in the US. Um, and release yeah. a guidebook pointing to laws um, that are discriminatory in each state, along with um, some information about knowing your rights when you go to those states and also resources to help people relocate to states with stronger LGBTQ plus protections. And 
just let that sink in for for a second that there are people who are being forced and families being forced to uproot and move because a a minority group of people have decided that who they are does not deserve to exist and like i mean that's i mean if that's not reeking of you know slavery antebellum south if that's not reeking of uh nazi germany i don't i don't know what what is it is it's insane um it is yeah so um yeah it's a lot yeah it's a lot so so the other and the other you know keep telling people stories you know tell your own story like don't let the library be destroyed um, you know, we gave, we told you a couple stories and of course there's stories that are very dark and there's stories that have joy in them. And most stories I hear and read have both, you know, the, the violence and the dark and the, you know, some joy or some, at least maybe a little bit of peace in there is, you know, continuing to move forward. Um, and, and do, if you find there are people in Florida you know, and other states doing crowdfunding to get out of the states they live in because they no longer have access to the transgender health care that they need, which is, yes. we mentioned earlier, that it's medically imperative, but it's also life-saving. Yes, yes, so. yes, it, yes, it is. Um, so again, let your voice be heard, especially at the ballot box, write your senators, write your representatives, um, call them, send some emails, get out, um, especially this month, uh, be in some parades, witness some parades, um, use your dollars as your voice, go buy from queer business owners and mm. support businesses that promote queer, uh, um, queer products and, and, or queer, queer manufacturers um, as yeah. well. Um, and also be mindful because yes, there is, there is a very corp- corporate performative aspect to this as well. Rainbow so, capitalism. You know, Exactly. So do, do a little do a little research um, um, mm-hmm. as well. But but this is an important month for that. And honestly, every month is an important month for that. Um, this is the month where we shine a spotlight. But every other month of the year, the lights need to be on as well. Um, so please um, don't shy away from the conversations with your friends and family members who are being sucked into the anti-trans, anti-LGBTQ, anti-drag rhetoric. It's all made up. It's not real. Equip yourself with some information. Share this podcast if you want to. Let them know we are found on all the podcast platforms. And again, if they're like, you know, your scary old relatives who don't know what podcasts are, I'm pretty sure they know what the internet is. You can find us at withloveandjusticeforall.podbean.com. Please join and support our work by showing up to our events, by making donations, and you can donate at projectsanctus.com. I think that's all we got for today. Um, Go buy a copy of This Here Flesh and join us and keep your ears out and ears peeled for the dates when we're going to have that. Um, And until we meet again. Let's get our holy on. 